This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, Richard. How are you? I am completely discombobulated. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know, sometimes things happen and you're like, what is going on with my world today? Uh, that's being a lot. Well, I still don't feel like I'm back yet. I'm still in that ether. You're still in Mexico? Some part of you is... Yeah. So I went to go see Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. How was that? It was truly beautiful. We meditated for hours, like lectures and then meditation and more lectures, but it's 2000 people at once. Oh everything, my gosh. everything that you've always said, like the neuroplasticity in your brain, epigenetics, you can change your brain, right? Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I do recommend uh, the, uh, that meditation stuff. The epigenetics is a little bit, a little different scientific thing about DNA and genetics, you know. But, but but if they've also done studies based upon taking, you know, various stout meditators, taking their blood and putting it next to cancer cells and how they don't multiply. They've done studies on it. They've documented it. Okay, that's very cool. No, I haven't, I haven't seen that stuff. That's great, though. I, I totally dig that you went there. 2,000 people, it's amazing thousand people and I got to meet him and talk to him. And of course he wants to study my brain because I'm in gamma all the time. Like my heart rate doesn't move and they were watching it. It does not move at all here. I think I'm making my heart rate go up for the breathing. Okay. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I got to say at the university of Pennsylvania, there's somebody who's been doing studies with mediums. They bring them in and they do MRI studies. And that is a field that people are into yeah. also to see you know, we talk about the filters on the brain and the question becomes, how do we let them go or lower them? Or, you know, why is it that Jennifer has different filters than someone else? And I know we spoke to your dad on the flip side about that. And he told us a little bit about, you know, he kind of showed us how he first became aware that you had like a different way of communicating, but yeah. as well as, uh, you know. And it, yeah, that was the best part. I spent the whole week with my dad. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't, you know, I had to unlearn. People went there to get into the place that I'm at all the time, right? In that gamma yeah. state. I went there. I had to unlearn instead of like trying to get information or trying to focus it or any of that. I had to really, really step back and allow. I had wow. to do the, the opposite. And we did a walking meditation before we went in to do some healing, um, where we focused in on something that was in front of us. And during that walking meditation, every single person from our class came through from Steve Jobs to Kobe Bryant, who put Jessica Alba, you know, she won't mind me saying this, Jessica Alba, she's one of the main reasons we were able to go to, we went together and two other girls, girlfriends of ours. And she knew Kobe Bryant. And so he popped into my head, tell Jessica I'm here for her. Like she, you know, which was very sweet because he also popped into her head because she's more open now to all this. And so I was just wow. basically reconfirming what she, what was happening with her, but it was truly one of like, my biggest thing was getting my heart open because, and I asked my heart, I'm like, what is it that, you know, what, what, you know, what is it that my heart needs? And I got my heart being really small. I'm going to cry. And I'm like, why? What do you mean? I'm like, I have the biggest heart. I'm like, what are you talking about? My heart's so small. And then I got this huge wall around it. 
And I sat there, I'm like, why? And I was being shown my cases. I cut myself off to feel so I can do the work that I'm doing. Your work, yeah. And and that it was okay to open up my heart, do my work, but maybe cry afterwards, but not keep myself completely closed. Because the only way that my heart's going to grow or get more full is by allowing it to happen and taking the risk of being uncomfortable, you know, that I don't have to do that all the time with my work. Yeah. And we've talked about that uh, quite a bit, mainly because of the, you know, about 30% of your work is with law enforcement and people, they, they don't call you because they're having a great time. <laughs> they call you because something traumatic has happened and they put you in that space. It's literally like saying, would you step into the car that I'm driving that's going 200 miles an hour around a track and and yeah. tell me what's going on? And you have to experience that. So it's very difficult for a medium like you to deal with that. Yeah, and I was told that it was, I was told it was okay to have my heart a little bit closed, but to realize, to keep, to realize to open it up during the other times versus keeping it sheltered the whole time. Yeah okay to feel into things it was it was interesting and I do feel like my brain has changed and I am meditating every morning well, that's that's fabulous I I gotta mention I had a dream last night like it just popped into my head and at the end of the dream uh it was I was playing piano in a nightclub somewhere and and I was there saying and the owner of the club was saying okay we're closing up now you know I think you're you're not going to be invited back your gig is over and I was like, well, I had all these people here. And then I started to wake up and the actor who was playing the role of the bar owner, I said, so, so why is it that we, it ended this way? And she said, well, you told me that you wanted me to not hire you in this dream. So that's why it ended that way. It was like, she was playing an actress in the dream that I had created. <laughs> anyway, so it's, it is mind-bending. I do want to ask Luana if she has uh, if she has anyone standing by to talk to us. I did want to invite a couple of people today, which we normally don't do, but I want to see if she has brought them forward. And Luana's our friend on the flip side who does what Jennifer does, but over on the flip side for people in our what we call a class. Right. Who um can I say their names, their first names? Give me their first name. So I'm going to give, I'm going to ask for a guy named Norman. Okay. And, and a guy named Lenny. Okay. I don't know either one of them. So this is good. Okay. Luana, do they want to come forward and talk to us? Norman feels like he's too busy smoking. <laughs> like he's too busy smoking. Okay. That's good. Okay. Um, Lenny is a spaz. Lenny feels like a spaz to me. Like he feels like he's all over the place mentally. So I don't know if he's a sci scientist or a, like, does he study the brain or something? But he's just like all over the place. He's all over the place. Well, who wants to, we, we'll, we'll identify them as we go forward. The director. Sorry? Which one? One feels like a researcher or a director. Norman's the guy that's more involved with the creation of, of like a director, let's say more like a, and Lenny is there's something with music. So absolutely. Lenny is involved with music. Okay. He said I was involved with music. I don't know why I still don't okay, trust. Very him. good. And Lenny, so which one of you guys wants to talk first? I'm sorry to put it this way. Uh and when people I'm just so you know, this is <laughs> you got Norman and Lenny. I gotta say I had an, a conversation in my head with Norman, who immediately said, Oh, we have mutual friends and I'm ready to talk to you. 
this was mm. when uh, a couple of weeks ago. And Lenny is somebody that I've, I'm just dying to talk to. I have to have, I have to say this because who's the guy that I keep forgetting that is your Bill Paxton. Why do I forget his name? Well, I don't He's know. That's good because Bill is an old pal and he likes to show up. What is all, he showed me the Titanic. He was showing me the Titanic. So that's uh, his, that's his reference for Jennifer. Mm -hmm. She first met him when he yeah. showed her the Titanic. He's laughing. He's like, you're the Titanic. Okay. <laughs> Crash. Well, I'll never forget your name now. Okay. All right. So Billy, who should I talk to first? Norman or Lenny? Lenny. Lenny. Okay. Very good. Lenny, please. Only because it's taking a little bit. Is Norman, is Norman new to the other, to the other yes, side? Both of them. Well, no, 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 I'm sorry. Norman is new. Lenny is not. This is why they said this. They said, let take Lenny first because Norman Norman is still getting used to everything. And so that's why I asked the question. Okay. If he's, yeah, I don't. Okay, again, I appreciate that. I do not know who he is. You don't know so, who he is, but you will. Okay, so, Lenny. so Lenny, let me talk to you first. And I ask everybody the same question. So you're aware of it. Do you know, uh, do you know who Luana is? Are you aware of who she is? You yeah. are. Okay. And so did she invite you to class today or how did it come to be that you're here? Why are you showing me that? Who's the guy that created Star Wars or? George Lucas. George Lucas. Okay. okay. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a circuitous route there. Let's say George Lucas represents film. Let's just say that. Okay. Right. Yes. Did he, and, he, and there's a, the person that I've seen, let's just go straight to the source. I, I want Lenny cause I know I'm only got you for a few minutes really. I but I know that there's a connection to it, but I don't know. I don't know what it well, is. That's, Lenny, what we'll, 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 that's all right. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So I, here's what I want to ask you, sir. Who greeted you on the flip side when you crossed over? George Lucas. Oh, so somebody like George Lucas, a yeah. filmmaker. Okay, yeah. very good. Um, um, somebody who looked like George. Is that is that correct? Or somebody? The guy, so it was the actor I'm being shown. It's not George Lucas. It's the actor, the old guy, the um, the old guy. That doesn't even make sense. Hold on. I don't know if it was the father. Give me a second. So somebody that wasn't in your immediate family. I have, I have this picture in my head and I don't know who it is. And it's one of the people in Star Wars, like the original Star Wars. You mean um, like Alec Guinness? You mean like that, the actor who played uh, Obi-Wan, the older guy? Or you mean somebody in Star Wars? Is that what? Well, just we move that aside. Let's push that aside. Let's set that aside. Okay, we'll get back to it. So Lenny, um, so who greeted you? What was it like when you crossed over? parents his parents greeted him he also had there was also an unborn child and there was also somebody else that was a, a son or something like that that greeted him too so was your wife nearby or around yes they were holding okay so she came through with the baby oh so, she came through with the child that you didn't have okay yeah. all right so let me just give you some background so lenny they were together like 48 years it feels like uh well, they were together some for some time. I'm looking at my notes here. You had three children, Lenny, with with uh, your wife. Her name is Felicia. Um, and what was that like for you when you saw Felicia for the first time on the flip side? He cried. Like it was the overjoyed. That was his soulmate. That was his everything from what I'm picking up. Did she die from breast cancer or lung cancer? She did die from lung cancer. That's correct. Or it could have been breast cancer. I'm sorry. She died from cancer. Um, 
Then Bell, I can check for you. So, okay. but Lenny, I, I, I want to ask you a really important question. Who were you surprised to see on the flip side once you got over there? I don't think I'm going to know who it is, but hold on. Let me, I'm going to throw some names at you. Was his name Gustav? Is that correct? Have you seen Gustav? Yes, many times, he said. Many times. Okay. And show Jennifer what that was like. You saw Gustav. Here's a person who passed away a long time before you, but you spent your we life. Celebrated. We celebrated together. Like all the accomplishments. He was so proud of me. Okay. And everything, even though it wasn't like, not so, I don't want to say so. Hold on. Wow. We That's were so, he showed me how I channeled music and I, how I was involved with music that was came from him. Like That's correct. Now okay. this is giving me a chill. I'm getting emotional about it. I'm sorry, but mm -hmm. this is amazing. So speak some more, Lenny, about Gustav, your friend. Um, his whole life was predicated, it feels like, by Gustav. Part of, you know, a major portion of his life, is he's saying. Okay, he, very good. All right, so I'm going to, we're going to get to the meat of this story in a second, which is to say, I asked somebody, I was going to ask somebody a question the other day about you. And, and the question that I want to ask you is, and without Jennifer, you know, knowing what I'm talking about, but maybe she'll get it. What did you think of the movie? Lenny. Thrilled. A celebration. Celebration. What was your favorite part? Now, I don't know if Jennifer's seen this movie. The ending. I have no idea what you're talking about. He says the editing was his favorite part? The ending was oh, his the favorite ending. part. Oh, okay. The ending. He said, he goes, it was such an enormous tribute, and it was such a magical, it was a magical scene, it feels like. If and you wanted to say anything to the filmmaker... What would it be? Thank you. And I love you. Thank you and I love you. The filmmaker said that you were on set. He could feel you on set. I wasn't miss I didn't miss one second of anything that was done. Can you give us a like an example or show Jennifer an example of a moment where you were on set? Now Jennifer doesn't know what I'm talking about, that you were on set and you uh felt like you were he showed me Fred Astaire tap dancing for some reason. I have no idea dancing, why. Dancing, dancing, correct? That, yes, dancing. Okay. There is a scene where the music that he wrote, he's a composer, music that he wrote was used and, and there was a dance scene and you were there. Is that correct? It says I was immersed in it. I wanted them to feel it. I wanted them to feel everything because that, that was also one of my favorite parts is the dancing and being one with the music, why you dance. And the love that was attributed with the music, why you dance. And then the way it brought people together. I have the chills so bad. I have no idea what we're talking about. This is amazing. <laughs> well, this is why this is so powerful and emotional. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your journey. So when you crossed over, were you a believer in the afterlife? Was this something you expected? Not always, not always. Um, I could have never dreamt the welcoming home that I received. Not my describe that to us. What was that like for you? Stop. What? Is that Billy slipping in there? What? No, no, no. Who's our favorite talk show host over there? The Jimi Hendrix? 
Jimi Hendrix. He was behind like <laughs> I feel like he does all the reviews of people that come over. I don't know why that's so funny. Well, please describe what that was like. Listen, I understand what you're talking about. The audience may not. Jennifer does. We've had Jimi Hendrix come through so many times in so many different conversations. And that's why she said stop, because it's like, really, again? But Jimmy, whose life was cut short, is shows up because everyone knows him. And he's a musician. And he loves to show up with musicians as well. So what was that like for you to see Jimi Hendrix on the flip side, please? I said, OK. All right. He just started asking me questions. And like, you know. what kind of questions did he ask you? Are you done yet? Are you done from being over there? Like, um, are you ready to come home? Happy to be home. Are you ready to be home? Wow. And without speaking, the emotions of everyone that was around. And I, he felt the standing ovation that he received when he got there. He's, it's challenging to express what I'm seeing, actually. Go ahead, um, please, just as best you can. Like every, um, hold on. He showed me like lights and lights and lights of people. Like, so if everybody came with a light, you know, all the different lights, like a like huge, it's like um, being in a, I don't know, the only thing I can think of is Coldplay, you know, when you see all the different lights or Taylor Swift, all the lights are out in the audience. He's like, but each one of them has a direct, you know, feeling towards you. He's like, imagine that, that each person got to sh share the love that they had for you and whatever I did for work and whoever, you know, whoever was there, he goes, it was just the unexpected love that you get from going over there is something that music actually is made out of when it comes from love. So, it's, you know, we've talked to a number of musicians in the book, Tuning Into the Afterlife. And, and this fellow was one of those musicians and a very sort of famous musician. And so what you're describing, this idea of being him coming out on stage and then seeing all the people that he connected to and was emotionally connected with is so, uh, beautiful. Um, I'm going to ask you a few people. Have you talked to them? Uh, you were friends with a, a, with um, the or any president stopped by to see you. Let me ask you that. Or or people or politicians type people. I almost felt Ronald Reagan. Which oh, interesting. Is interesting. But, I, but but then I go back to. You know, you know Jennifer knew who I was talking about and we had researched this, you know, she would immediately have that person in mind. So I'm going to ask you, have you run into JFK? Since That's you... what you, I just said, Robert. I'm sorry. Robert Kennedy. All right. Very good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So Robert Kennedy. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but he showed me Reagan and then it went to Robert. And, and then, then it went to JFK. I'm sorry. And I then it went to JFK. So both, uh, both uh, Robert and John uh this person they were, very, they were very good friends they were good friends and both and and he, he was involved, one another. he was involved with composing the music for their funerals wow and conducting the music and and it's, i obviously you have not seen this guy's story yet 
Um, but I, I wanted to ask you a, a little a question. It's a Beethoven question. We've talked to Beethoven before, and there is a famous moment when you conducted the Beethoven's Ninth and when the Berlin Wall came down and you changed the word Freude, which means joy, to Freiheit, which means freedom. Now, have you talked to Beethoven since you've been home? Um, yes. He felt like he got a little slap on the face from it. <laughs> because when they asked you about it, you said, I really feel like Beethoven would give his blessing. So clearly, not so much. <laughs> it, was in, it was in tongue in cheek humor, but yes. Like a, a gentle slap. And it was like, yeah. uh, I got slapped in the face by Johnny Mathis because I told him that my mother was his biggest fan. And he literally whap, <laughs> like just smacked <laughs> the shit out of me. Um, so I would also say, the, so the, the film that we're talking about and the person that we're talking about is Leonard Bernstein. And the movie's called Maestro. And I was at the premiere the other night and both Spielberg and Stephen and Bradley talked about feeling your presence in the room. My goodness, now it's all coming back. I had no idea. Well, you know that. I know that. Yeah, and you haven't, have you seen the movie? No. Oh. No, I think I might have seen a clip from. Sure. But sure. That was, but I just. Well, let me ask you. So now that we're clear who this is, Lenny, I want to know, have you talked to Robert Wise? That's why he looks so crazy to me. He showed me being just a crazy musician. He was and a crazy musician. Exactly. I'm like, but I also felt like he researched everything. He felt like a scientist to me, too. Like he, he was a genius and he was a composer and a conductor and all these other things that he did. He did it. He introduced music, classical music to television. He did a series for like years, you know, with, uh, children's concert, young people's concerts he did for, for decades. But I want to ask you about a couple of people, um, you know, that you've run into. I mean, this thing about Mahler, he, he was famous for Gustav Mahler's music he, he studied his whole life he conducted his whole life there's a sequence in the movie where he does Gustav Mahler's second and so it, it's just it was very powerful and emotional to hear that that was one of the people who came to see him yeah well he just they they were so intertwined it yeah. like you can't explain it and I didn't know that oh I, I asked about Robert Wise I you know I don't know if you were friends with him were you I don't know I know I knew Robert. They met. They They weren't close. That's okay. Doesn't matter. We weren't close, but we are now. Okay. Good. I don't know if Robert remembers me, but he's the guy who directed uh, West Side Story. We had a lot of similar yeah, well, he said they had a lot of similar stories. So let me ask you, your like, you know, people would ask this question, what is your favorite piece? I know they asked you this in life, but was there a, uh, a musical piece uh, that's your own that you favored? He showed me something with the Olympics. Is there anything that he did oh, with okay. the Olympics? Well, he, he was very tight with Aaron Copeland. They were very close. And I know he, Copeland, did the music for the Olympics. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, I know so, there, you know, and he also did uh, a concert for the opening of JFK's museum, or the um, I forget what it's called. You know, in Wa in Washington, the JFK JFK Center for mm -hmm. Arts, and he composed something called Mass, um, which was a religious piece. 
Um, you know, this is, I, I've heard that. He loved that piece. He tried to take the religion out of it. Yeah, and people say that. They say that, um, you know, that's the controversy about that piece. Is, um, but That's what he's telling me. He says that oh, he goes, I liked that piece, but I liked it for its diversity, and I liked it without the religion part of it. So who have you been surprised to see on the flip side, let's say, other than Jimmy? Uh, Aretha Franklin. Aretha. Okay, very good. He, he said he knew her. Would make sense. Of course, there were two superstars in, in life. Yeah. And he said that, um, hold on, the respect for her is beyond what he could have ever, you know, could have ever shown he, the respect factor. It's so fascinating. And she, and she sang Nason Dorma, you know, the, the Luciano Pavarotti song that he made so famous for the Grammys one year because Luciano was ill and he couldn't do it. And nobody knew what a classical artist she was and we've spoken to aretha about um past life memory of being a opera singer yeah what about you lenny was there any anything uh in terms of your previous lifetimes you want to share or talk about or refer to it feels like he was beethoven's father wow well we can ask ludwig is that correct or was it somebody that you that you appreciated yeah, no. He's saying oh. he was Beethoven's father. <laughs> well, that's. Oh, are you saying figuratively or literally, Lenny? Literally. Very interesting. Um, I that was uh, you know was that I mean we don't we talked to Ludwig. But we can't prove it. But it. No. He, he's saying. Well, we have talked to Beethoven about his life and his journey and how he lost his hearing and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I remember specifically, we uh, he talked to us about his happiest lifetime was as a uh, farmer in the South Tyrol, I think he said, where uh, the Black Forest, where he said the symphony was uh, was vegetables and corn and you know things, and he could control the symphony that way, and he was more happy because everything was sort of orderly and you know made him gave him joy that word. Freuda. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fascinating idea. Let me ask you a little bit about Felicia. So in the movie, they really dealt pretty much, and Jennifer hasn't seen it, but they dealt with her getting sick in her last days on the planet. Go ahead. It felt like it was really brutal. Um, was there addiction somewhere in the storyline? Cigarettes. Then clearly, I mean, uh, the so, movie. That, so then that's why he was showing me. It was him, not um, not Norman. He just kept showing me oh, cigarettes. Smoking. Yeah, that's right. You're correct. Uh, I don't think there's a scene in the movie where he's not smoking a cigarette. But he he also had uh, emphysema late in life. And, and I, you know, for me, I guess I could ask you this, Lenny. Did your smoking influences the cancer that your wife got? Secondhand smoke? It absolutely did. So does Felicia want to say anything? Do you want to bring her forth? I mean, certainly. It doesn't matter. Where we where we stand right now, that never mattered. Like that, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't going to be that, she's saying it would have been something else. Okay. And what was your journey like? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, when you crossed over, who was there to greet you? 
Well, that's what he showed me. He showed me your guy. Okay. <laughs> um, and two things that I want to mention about you, Felicia, and you, Lenny, and if you guys want to weigh in about it, but both of you were very social activists, both involved with anti-war protests. Um, and in Felicia's case, she was somebody who was into criminal justice reform. And Lenny's case, he was a you know AIDS activist very powerful and strong and very adamant about those things is there anything they want to say about that or just their observation of how the planet is spiraling out of control now <laughs> he's like good luck <laughs> he's like we did what we could i'm kidding he's like we're still helping from the other side that's what we do um there's a chance for us to help heal the planet if enough people believe in that, it's not too late. It's never too late. It just feels like it with the direction that we're going. People are a lot more open-minded now to understanding what we're doing and how there isn't really any time for more hate or more, you know, separation. We need to be more... We need more unity. We need more oneness. We need more wholeness, more peace, more love. More wholeness, more peace, and this separation of humans. It's so powerful when you mentioned what Lenny's observation was coming on stage and seeing how we're all connected, as well as the love towards him. And when yeah. we get off stage, we see that these wars that we're doing, we're fighting, and these wars and this kind of bickering and constant sniping at each other is ridiculous or it's there's, just there's no, there's no time for that anymore there's no time for the the nitpicking or the debating just to get an agenda across it's you kind know. of it, it seems pointless when you look at it from their perspective but um, let me ask you this lenny i'd be you know a remiss if i didn't ask you out of the music that you know, and then let's say the composers that you know, who do you recommend? Oh, by the way, you also uh, did a, when you first did Carnegie Hall, you did a piece, go ahead. Show me Sting. Sting, listen to Sting, I like that. That's very good. Yeah. Oh, very good, Gordon Sumner, uh, that's his original name. Because um, I was a music critic at Variety some years ago and got to meet Sting and Whatever, Sting's a good example of a guy who meditates and does music. Um, mm -hmm. Robert Schumann. Uh, the Schumann was um, the first concert that Lenny Bernstein was able to do was at Carnegie Hall. And the first thing that he, and he was, did it unrehearsed was with a composer named Robert Schumann's piece. Have you talked to Schumann on the other side? Still trying to find him. Hold on. Yeah, he's talked to him. And what, said, what's your, go ahead. She says he wasn't impressed. <laughs> he was not impressed. Hold on. That's pretty interesting. No, the other guy said that he wasn't impressed with him coming for Carnegie Hall at the time that they both. The, the Mahler character, Gustav? No, no. The, the guy that, so when they're at Carnegie Hall, you said that he did a, he, did he do something at Carnegie well, Hall? What happened was, uh, uh, Bruno Walter was the, you know, the conductor at Carnegie Hall, and he got sick, so they had to have Lenny come in and and substitute right. for him. So he might not have been impressed with. He was, 
<laughs> he was not impressed, but the rest of the country suddenly heard his name, and it was a, went out live. And yeah, it was but crazy. I was just interested because Schumann was a guy who a composer who heard angels. That's what he said when he wrote. He could hear the the music coming from the other side, and and his wife reported that to somebody who then had him, you know, put in a mental institution because he was hearing music from the other side, and he ended up dying in a mental institution. You know. Oh. It is awful. But I was just curious if you've talked to him or what, you know, you've had any conversations with Robert. They have. They have. It's, they've gone, he's shown me like a circle of like how everything worked out for both of them and how I get like one, one person couldn't have done without the other kind of thing. It's interesting how connected they are in a lot of ways. He if says heard a lot of things but never said it out loud yeah listen there's a six and a half minute piece inside the movie maestro where uh bradley cooper imitates you but like embodies you doing uh, conducting Mahler's second symphony in a church in england and it is just an astounding achievement in filmmaking it's all one take it's just amazing. And they did it like on the second day of shooting and it was just one take and it's, but, and you can watch it on YouTube and not the, from the maestro, but you can actually watch his original performance. Is there any piece that you would recommend that people listen to, to try to access their loved ones on the other side? Like as if the music could help put them in that state of mind? You said mass. That mass, was okay. Well, and it would it be a way to contact you? That too. Okay. Unless you're listening to this, people don't know that I'm available, which I am. Unless people are tuning into Hacking the Afterlife podcast, they're not aware that Leonard Bernstein is available. So let me just paraphrase what you're saying, sir, which is take out a photo. Sorry? Go ahead. Take out a photograph of Leonard. Put it up in your room, maybe the album cover, put on the album or the music from Mass mm -hmm. and ask him to help you, what, talk to your loved ones? Loved ones, or just listen to the music and talk to them direct. So don't have to look at Leonard, look at your relative, perhaps, bring out a photograph of the loved one you want to speak to. Okay, you're tapping your nose for people driving their car, meaning correct, and listen to mass, right. and 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 then ask them questions about their journey, or you know, to help intercede, or whatever it is that you need to to have them, you know, communicate with you about. I think this is so fascinating because here we have also have Norman Lear, one of the most prolific. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you his last name. Norman, is, we'll talk to him later on. Okay. Because then, listen, anybody that knows me, I don't want, don't front load the medium. Don't give her information. Just give me, no, no, uh, I, I have to. I just want to, to work with I want to point out how polite he was to say, talk to Lenny. Because he's, because he's been here longer. And so Norman can come and talk to us at any time, you know, in, in, because he's only, he just left the stage recently. So in this way, because. Say again. And that's what they said. They're like, there's somebody, you know, Norman left the planet. It just left the planet. Crazy smoking dude. Talk to him first. <laughs> That's right. And I, I, I didn't know. That was Norman. 
No, but I, and of course, I have a, a whole list or a raft of questions for, for Norman to talk about his life and his journey, but we will do that in another time. I just felt it was so important to hear. And, uh, you know, thank you, Jennifer, for allowing me to sort of not give you all the information, but let you come to it. That's what I love doing is my work, trying to figure out the puzzle pieces, but you've made you've given me a space not to fear it and not to judge it. So even when I don't get the right interpretation, I just have to go back in. It, they're not wrong. I just might, you know, be looking at the wrong person over there. Like I did thinking Norma was a smoker versus. That's right. That's right. Well, Lenny, let's let, let you have the last word. Anything you want to say to Bradley uh, or Steven Spielberg? He just went like this. He just did like about like, a bow. very low bow. His bows were very low. They're, They're pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, he did that for them. Like from the waist all the way down. Amazing. So a bow to him. Well, I guess, you know, one day Bradley will be on the flip side. You guys can commiserate and talk about how cool that was. Or maybe I'll talk to Bradley. <laughs> That's right. Then maybe Bradley will call Jennifer up to see no. if he can have a conversation directly with uh I'm, but I'm, have you ever shown up at Bradley's house or talked to him that way? His dreams all the time. Yeah, all the time in dreams. Okay. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you for your gifts. Thank mm -hmm. you. I hope, I think the time is right. Yes, it is. Okay. And thank you, Leonard Bernstein. Oh my gosh. How cool was that? That was really cool. I Do can't wait to watch the movie now. I can't wait to look up what's going on. <laughs> got to see the movie. It is fantastic. You really will get a You'll get everything out of it. I mean, it's so complex and it's so, but it, and it's so much about Felicia as well. And thank you, Felicia, for coming by to chat with us as well. And I know your children are still on the planet and I'm sure if they stumble upon this, they'll be uh, whatever, hopefully chuffed to hear that dad was around to applaud them. Yep. Thanks so much. Bye. Love, love. Bye-bye. This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Amazon Prime.